This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. This one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he ties the game. Easton ducks under. Got it. All right, what's happening, everybody? We won. Not only did we win, we swept. What's going on, everyone? This is your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening to episode 360 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. Episode 360 of the show. If you are new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Alright, as I am recording, it's Sunday, April 24th. The Yankees just got done with Game 3 against the Cleveland Guardians. I'm going to try to remember to say Guardians because I already said Indians a number of times during this series when talking about it with people. Um, but they sweep the series. They are now 10 wins in 16 games on the year, which puts them in first place um, if you're looking that early. But welcome. Sunday the 24th as I'm recording. As you are listening, it's probably Monday the 25th. Day off on Monday, the twenty fifth. The Yankees are traveling, or no, they're they're still um, they're staying home, waiting for Baltimore to come to town. But they pick up the sweep, and we're going to talk about it first. Though again, if you have not yet subscribed to BD Four, well, first off, welcome to the podcast, and be sure to subscribe now. You are listening to episode three hundred sixty of BD Four, where there is no better way. To get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now too. We do the Yankees every series. The Knicks every game. We do MMA on the weekends. Usually covering the bigger pay-per-view cards. Um, Yeah. If you want to follow me on social media. You can also do that. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram. At Rob J. Carbone. Um, if I do look up every once in a while, that's if you're watching the video format of this podcast. Um, it's because I'm watching this Phoenix Suns New Orleans Pelicans game four. Is it game four? It's game four. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me if I do look up and you know check the score every here and there. Um, yeah, I also write a blog. I wrote. I write for Ultimate Sports Networks. If you go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and put into the search bar either my name or you can put the title of my blog, The Bomber Bocker Blog, you'll find my blog. Just subscribe to The Bomber Bocker Blog using promo code 6A2841ERJC. This way you can get a discount per month. You get a discount per month, discount on any merch, 10% off, and you also get full access to every single article I write, Yankees and Knicks. Um, 
trying to get back on the website. It's been blocking me out for a couple of days. I, I got to figure that out. But when I do, I'll be back active again talking about the Yankees. All right, so welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Let's head to our first break real quickly. When we get back, we're going to talk Yankees and Cleveland. The Cleveland baseball team. <laughs> Maybe I'll remember if I just say that. When we get back, stay with us. Be right there. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to episode 360 of the podcast. I am your host, RJ Carbone. Now, let's not waste any further time. Let's talk about this thing. Because it was exciting. It was finally a series that you can look at and genuinely be excited for. Just because they swept a, a pretty decent team at the moment. At least heading into the series, they were above 500. Um... But yeah, in my opinion, this was the best win of the season this afternoon. Um, it was also the best series of the season this past weekend. You know, we needed a real win streak. And, you know, my rule is a real win streak is three or more. And we got one. We also needed that first blowout to get the monkey off our back. And we got that. You know, and the Indi- like I said, the Indians, no slouch. They have a really good offense statistically. They're a good contact hitting team. They've got enough power. Um, and they were coming into this series riding pretty high, searching for four wins in a row at the time. Uh, but the Yankee pitching staying dominant, allowing just seven runs to cross the board total in these three games. That's an average of 2.3 runs per game for Cleveland. Um, and on the other end... Well, I would have. The good thing is that I love that we held um, Jose Ramirez quiet. This is a guy who he's always killed us. He's a known Yankee killer, a guy I've always wanted on the Yankees so bad. I feel like Jose Ramirez is just a superstar beast of a player. Third baseman, he's got the defense. He can steal bags, hit for power, hit for average, makes a ton of contact. I've always liked him. Um, But we kept him quiet. He goes just one for 11 with a walk, three strikeouts, and no runs batted in. The one Yankee or the one Indian who always frustrates me and always just gets on my nerves watching is Josh Naylor. He's just so annoying. And he always has been, and he had some big hits against us. But other than that, we held them down. The Yankee lineup, you know, the bats awoke. Scoring 19 runs 
in three games. That's 6.3 per. Uh, overall, we batted 299 in this series with only 24 strikeouts, which to us is pretty good, and hit 300 with runners in scoring position. So if you want to talk about it, let's head over to the Game 1 slide, if you're watching, and we will get right into this little recap here. Um, so Game 1, the Yankees take this one on Friday night, 4-1. to one. It was Jameis and Tyone for us going up against Morgan. Bottom of the third inning, we get to Morgan. Excuse me. Um, Aaron Judge with his first of two home runs in the game with a two-run blast, putting the Yankees on top 2-0, going to right center field. Top of the fourth comes. The Indians do answer back. I just said it, didn't I? Uh, Reyes, a solo home run off Tyone, 2-1. to one. Yankees, but the Yankees right away in the answer back in the bottom of the fourth inning. It's a good game, this Phoenix-New Orleans game. Um, when IKF picks up an RBI single to make it 3-1 Yankees, Tyone's day is done after five innings. Um, in the bottom of the fifth, Aaron Judge goes for his second home run. This one a solo shot to right field, 4-1 Yankees. And from there, it's King and Chapman. Uh, I think they combined for four innings, ten strikeouts, no runs. Chapman looks like he's found it. He has um, he had two strikeouts, one hit, no walks allowed. He has not issued a walk since April 15th against Baltimore. So that's a good sign. Because I know, you know the ERA is zero right now. It makes it seem like he's been perfect all season, but... There have been a few outings where he's had some issues with the walks, has either left games with traffic on the bases, or just you know labored through outings where he eventually got a save. But he's really looked a lot better these last couple of outings Chapman has, so it was good to see that. Um, Michael King. <laughs> Listen, Michael King. He he looks legit, man. He looks legit. I mean, last year he was good. He was solid in relief. He had a 3.55 ERA overall in 65 out of third innings. So far this season, he's got a .84 in 10 and two-thirds with 18 strikeouts. He comes in three consecutive innings, dominant. Uh, he strikes out eight of the nine outs. He has seven strikeouts in a row at one point. Just cruising through the Indians lineup. Um, <laughs> bear with me, please. I'm trying. It's terrible. I still say Redskins because I forget. Um, But he's got that running two-seam sinker, whatever the hell you want to call it. He's got the breaking pitch working for him. The cutter, which I think is a Matt Blake effect. We see guys like not just King, but Severino has thrown the cutter more this year. Garrett Cole threw the cutter more this series. Nestor Cortez was very cutter-reliant in this series as well. I think it's a Matt Blake thing. Um, you know, Kind of how he pushed the changeup last year. I think the cutter is kind of the new pitch this season. But yeah, I really, really like King. I, I've been a big fan of him. Um... I shouldn't say that because I was a little iffy on him at the beginning. 
but last season he really started to you know change the, my tune towards him. He's a strike thrower. He works pretty quickly. He's got a rhythm to his game, pre-delivery. He's got that little hitch or whatever he does. You know, a little, uh, I don't know what you call it. But um, I like him. He's a very valuable arm to have, I think. You know, he can give you multiple innings. He can come in and give you one inning effectively. He can spot start maybe when guys struggle or go to the DL. But for now, I say you have to keep him where he is. And Boom was saying that too. This is the perfect spot for him. It's an established role that he's got. We always talk about how how we want the lineup, you know, guys in the lineup to have established roles um, in terms of the order of the lineup. Well, I like that King has kind of found his identity as this multiple innings guy in relief. So he looks good. Tyone looks solid. He went five innings, one run, seven hits, no walks, five strikeouts. He worked his breaking ball more than his fastball in this one, which is pretty rare for him, right? He's usually the guy who likes to go with that high heat. Um, but he had 22 curveballs, used it mainly against right-handed hitting, um, 21 fastballs, and he also mixed in the changeup some, um, and he was, you know, throwing all his changeups to left-handers. But yeah, he's been good on the year, Jamison Tyone. With a 3.07 ERA, five runs allowed in 14 and two thirds innings. Um, if he could just be a solid three man this year, that's all I'm asking for. I thought he was pretty good last year before the injuries. Obviously, um, he had that really good stretch around August. So he's a guy who's going to be pretty good. I expect him, so long as Tyone is healthy, to be a decent pitcher. Um, and again, Judge had a big game. Two home runs, and he also had uh, the assists from center field in this game. And we'll, we'll run through Judge a little bit later on in the show. But game one, a nice win. Good to get that out of the way and start the series on a good note after losing the th- third game um, in Detroit. So we'll talk about game two when we return from break. Stay with us. Be right back. Hey, guys. So, I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So, if you do enjoy this podcast, and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way, we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. All right, welcome back to the show. Um, yeah, you're listening to episode 360 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, game two, Saturday night, or Saturday afternoon. It was a Saturday 1 o'clock game. Yankees defeat Cleveland 5-4. to four. You had Nestor Cortez on the mound uh, after a spectacular... First three innings, he has somehow an even better fourth inning where <laughs> the new dive, I guess you can call this the dive now. I might have to, uh, we might have to frame that picture and replace it with Jeter's dive. Because that was something. 
it, it was pretty freaking hilarious too. Um, dude, they asked him after the game about that play, and he goes, I, "I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it right in front of me, but it's <laughs> just like, yeah, they think um, I don't know. He's like, I'm athletic underneath this body. <laughs> great, pretty great quote from Nestor, who um, you know, I always like to." joke around with him being this physical specimen but you know it's, it's just in it's just in good fun um but he has the dive he beats the runner to first dives on the bag just you know there's this whole thing where pitchers are you know we're so you know we baby them so much and you know not just the pitch count thing but like they're not allowed to catch fly balls right you want them to walk off the field when everybody else is run like we milk the shit out of pitchers all the time. This is just a general baseball thing. Growing up, I've been milked as a pitcher. So you never want them to do things like that. And you, you love seeing that, right? A PFP to an extreme for Nestor Cortez. Dive into first base to get the tag. And it was out. Um, and then right after that, finishes off the inning with his patented hesitation delivery. Where he, you know kicks the leg straight out, and he holds it for a good two seconds or more, and then he gets the strikeout, that very that very pitch, to end the frame. And the Yankee Stadium explodes as he walks off the mound. It was just a historic fourth inning for Nestor Cortez. And um, he had a good game, man. Top of the fifth, he uh, unfortunately lets up his first hit uh, to Josh Naylor, of course. Um it was a home run, too, so that put the Yankees down 2 nothing. He was pitching no-hit no hit baseball for four-plus innings before that, I bet. But Yankees are down 2 nothing, not for long. When in the bottom of the fifth, they answer back to tie the game. You have IKF, the RBI base hit, to score Aaron Hicks. Then you have Kyle Higashioka from the nine spot with the sack fly. I missed that play, but I heard there was an error or something on the play. It was ruled like a... Uh, six three one sack fly or some shit like that, um, but you know tied the game at two. Bottom of the seventh comes Josh Donaldson homers. He pimps it. He's walking backwards. Got a little swag to it. <laughs> I dude, he got hit by a pitch today in game three, and like was so extra about it. I just love how much of an asshole he is towards the opposing team. I just, I love it. You could see how extra he is. He's got that edge. That's what we were talking about. Um, I just wish he was hitting. But he makes it 3-2 Yankees in the 7th. Bottom of the 8th, or the top of the 8th comes, sorry, Chad Green in the game, relieving Clay Holmes, who pitched the um, later two outs in the 7th. Green comes in for the 8th. Gives it right back. It's 4-3 Cleveland. Um, and then the bottom of the ninth is when the Yankees make their comeback. You have Isaiah Kiner-Falefa tying it. Another hit for IKF with a big double. Then Glaber Torres comes to the plate. He pinch hits for Kyle Higashioka. Glaber goes the other way on two strikes and he wins the game for the Yankees. You know, you had the whole incident. Um, you know, a couple of at-bats prior, Miles Straw getting into it with Yankees fans who were heckling him. Um, listen, uh, you know, they may have said some stupid shit 
about the kid getting injured against the wall. You got to know something, man. When you're coming to the Bronx, you got to be able to have thick skin. You know that the Bronx crowd is going to be full of, you know, drunk college assholes who are going to say shit no matter what. They're going to say shit off the walls to get into your head. If you're offended by some shit like that, you're a thin-skinned athlete, man. I'm sorry. You know, yeah, it, it wasn't the coolest thing to say, but that's how it works. Some of these, like, pitchers, some of these players, these modern athletes, man, and I hate to go on, you know, an old man wave my fist in the air rant, but, like, some of these athletes are so thin-skinned, you, you wonder, how the hell do they even get here? I like, I know they're talented, but, man, some of them, it's like, even if you were a superstar, you're glad you're not in New York, because you would melt here. What's Miles Straw? That was horrible. Getting into it with the Yankee fans. And he he goes up to them and gets in their fight. At the same time, though, okay, I do love it just overall looking at the bigger picture. Like, it's sports. This is what rivalries in sports are all about. Fans getting into it with players. There was no contact made between them. Now, what I did not like and I, and I understand was frustrating was after that fact, right? It was, it was after the game. Um, in right field where, you know, I don't know, a group of 15 or 25, whatever it was, drunk assholes throwing, you know, uh, you know, beers on the field, whatever it was. It was, it was cups of whatever onto the field. And that was stupid. There's not much else to say. That was ridiculous. Um, yeah, move on. I, again, I don't make a big deal out of this shit. I just think it's all part of sports. You don't do it. You ban the fans who did if you can, and you move on from that. That's just how it works. Welcome to the Bronx. Shit's going to happen. Cody Bellinger got a beer can through at him uh, the other day. I don't know if it was the other day, but I saw a highlight clip of it recently. Um, Shit happens, all right? (laughs) Don't let it stain the reputation for everybody else. But although I do like the fact that Yankees fans are, you know, as Strauss said in the postgame, are getting this reputation now of, They've always have had the reputation of being these classless assholes. I love that. I think that's what I, I that's that's what I've been asking for. I want the evil empire back. I want people to hate the Yankees, to hate every one of their fans. I love that fact. All right. So I'm not condoning you throw shit on the field, but I have no problem with you heckling and saying shit, whatever you want. There's there's no limit in my opinion to saying shit, um, as long as it's right, not you know. There's a limit, I guess, but you can say shit and try to get into their heads. Just don't cross a line and, you know, say, you know, racist crap or religious crap to get, you know, you you know what I freaking mean. I'm going off topic here, but I do like the whole dynamic of just, you know, heckling a player and the player and drawing back at him. I think that's cool. Just keep it civil to a degree. I don't know. I, I, I just made no sense for a whole five minutes there um what are we talking about game three still game two still oh <laughs> uh, fuck but um the Yankees win Nestor unfortunately gets a no decision because of green but he goes six and a third eight strikeouts two runs one hit again the man is, the man is pitching like an ace. Um, 
working quickly, mixing in the antics occasionally with the delivery, throwing strikes, painting the black, hitting the corners. He was working very heavily with the cutter. More than the four seam, a lot more than the four seam. He threw, yes, put a graphic on the screen that I snapshotted. He threw 40 cutters, 26 four seamers, 15 sliders, 8 sinkers, and 2 changeups. The cutter this season, opposing hitters are 2 for 25 against it. And 13 of those 25 at bats are strikeouts. Nestor's been phenomenal. We all know this about Nestor. He has been great. I was going to make him the featured starting pitcher of this series, but instead, because I feel like it only made sense since he's since Nestor was one of the featured pitchers last series, that Garrett Cole is the featured pitcher for this series. Speaking of Cole, we're going to talk about him. As we get to game three, when we get back from break, stay with us. want to follow me on social media be sure to do so right now i'm on facebook at rj carbone and i'm also on instagram at rob j carbone once again if you want to find me on facebook that is rj carbone instagram at rob j carbone Welcome back to BD4. You're listening to episode 360 of the show. Game 3. Sunday, this afternoon, the Yankees defeated the Indians 10-2. You had Garrett Cole. I said it again. The Guardians. 10-2. You had Garrett Cole going up going up against Savali, um, who I believe it was in the scouting report. Had a 205 ERA versus the Yankees heading into this one. <clears throat> um, the Yankees sweep. Right off the bat, you could tell that they were gonna have a good afternoon. Rizzo pulls a two-run shot in the first inning to put the Yanks up two zip. Second inning, the Yankees break it open. DJ LeMayhew with an RBI double on that misplay in right field makes it three zip Yankees. Aaron Hicks, ground ball, scores a run, 4 nothing. Joey Gallo finally comes through with his first extra base hit and his first RBI of the season with a double to, what was it, right field? 
That makes it 5 nothing Yankees. Then Isaiah Kiner-Falefa <clears throat> with a sack fly to put it at 6. Cole eventually goes two outs into the 7th before he's pulled for Wandy Peralta. I would have loved to see Garrett Cole go 7 innings. A complete 7. Uh, it was only 92 pitches. He is your ace. He's Garrett Cole. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess I get it. It's a blowout. Modern baseball. This, that, whatever. In the end, he goes 6.2 innings pitched. No runs. Nine strikeouts. A walk. Four hits. You know, I was talking to my brother about it. How, like, I feel like it was so long ago. But it really wasn't. When CeCe Sabathia was constantly giving the Yankees seven innings, eight innings, sometimes even nine innings or pitching into the ninth for the Yankees. Like, I just, like, it wasn't even that long ago where an ace, to be considered an ace, you had to be a guy who goes seven innings, excuse me, in their sleep. But nowadays, it seems like six innings is the new seven and five innings is the new six. It's crazy. And I just miss those days where the ace, the horse of the staff, was the guy who was a guaranteed 7 or 8, whether he was pitching well or not. You don't get that anymore. Not even the best of best like Eric Cole. Especially with the way the Yankees handle their pitching staff. They're very conservative with their starters, and they love to mix it and match it with their bullpen. I just I just missed those days. And I know this is like the second time already in this episode where I sound like a middle-aged man. But <laughs> CC was something else. Even with like Milwaukee, remember he was in that rotation where he was pitching on 3 days rest. 7th inning comes DJ LeMayhew for his third hit of the game. Pulls a home run. Makes it 8 nothing Yankees. In the 8th inning, Marwin checks in for DJ to lead off. He gets on base with the base hit to right field. Lo Castro checking in for Judge. Gets a home run. Pulls one to left field. 10 nothing Yankees. Ninth inning comes. Marinaccio comes in the game. He allows a couple runs. I was eating dinner by that time. I didn't see the entire ninth. Um, regardless, the Yankees win 10-2. So the Yanks win the game. Yanks win the series. Yanks sweep the series. Um, it was just great to see Garrett Cole especially rebound. Garrett Cole, again, six uh, six and two-thirds innings, no earned runs, nine strikeouts, a walk, four hits, four singles. They were all singles um, and earned his first win of the year. Yeah, man, uh, he needed this one badly. I thought, I think there, I thought three Yankees had some much needed moments this weekend. Garrett Cole was one of them. He was working fast with the rhythm. You could see from the very start, everything was flowing smoothly out there with him. He was walking around the mound with that Garrett Cole type swagger that you're used to seeing. Kind of like that Verlander type of swagger. If you've ever seen him pitch. Uh, it was a day game in the Bronx. Nice weather. It just felt good from the start. You had good vibes about this game. Um, you just felt like Cole was going to go out there and shove it, and he did. What I liked is that early on, he wasn't generating a ton of strikeouts. 
Um, he only had three strikeouts in his first 3.2 innings pitched. And because he's such a perfectionist at times, where he tries so hard to get those strikeouts, like in the Detroit start, unlike that one, he he was able to accept the fact that he wasn't getting the swing and miss early and lived with the contact outs. And then later in the game, he started amping it up and had those six more strikeouts in the remaining four innings of work. He was heavy on the cutter today as well. Less change up today, a lot more cutter. Working around 92 to 94. Um, he also worked with Trevino, uh, Trevino behind the plate. Nice shake up for the Yankees. Trying something different. Higgy has caught Cole in 31 of his last 33 starts heading into this one. Um, so they worked. I thought they worked very well together, clearly. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see who's behind the plate next up when Cole takes the mound. I think that's on Friday night against Kansas City. But yeah, it was a good, good, solid outing for him. I'm sure the early lead also helped. Um, and the other two who I want to get to that are uh, that had some big moments, some much needed big moments in this series um, were were Joey Gallo and Glaber Torres. Obviously, you know, like I said with Gallo, he got the monkey off his back with the first extra base hit and the first RBI of the season this afternoon. Um, but Glaber Torres, listen, he's always been pretty clutch to me. I will say that. I've always said that about Glaber. Even during the last two seasons where he's had down years, he's always been clutch. Um, I was listening to the podcast, uh, Talking Yanks podcast with John Boy. He said that I, I think Glaber has the fourth most walkout, uh, walk-offs since 2018 with five. So that's impressive, and just watching him, I you know I know his his splits with runners in scoring position, with two outs, you know are very good. Over the course of his career, he's a good postseason hitter. He just always seems to step up in the clutch, and I just wish he'd bring that approach, that right center field two strike focus, to the plate way more often like he did um, against Clause, if that's his name. And like he does often in these high-level moments. So, we'll see. You know, I, I just wish he was a little more consistent with his mentality. Um, but he's on a nice little, you know, four-for-eight stretch right now. Scary thing is, and they were mentioning this on Talking Yanks, is he's two-for-two two pinch-hitting this season. They said he was two-for-three, but I looked at the stats. Two-for-two. Two. Um, he's got two RBIs this year. And four-for-eight career pinch-hitting. That is kind of scary. It's hope you know you hope you know the Yankees see stuff on the spreadsheets, and I like to use that. I, I I'm holding out. I'm still holding out a little bit of hope for Glaber's career as a starter. I I still hope he can become that guy. It would be great, but again, you know, he's not done himself any favors, and in this logjam in the infield that the Yankees have, it's going to be hard. Um, but you know. Stick, keep him where he is right now. He's not getting every day at bats. You know, I don't know. Maybe right now he eases his way there with these bench reps. Uh, but today was a good start. You know, he starts the game and he picks up two hits. I know Stanton sat today too, but I do like that. You know, other than that, for his second consecutive series, Boone is sticking with the same one to five. DJ Judge Rizzo. Uh, Stanton Donaldson today was Donaldson at four, but 
yeah, that was a, a good sign that he's continuing. I think, you know, he's kind of finding a way to, he's seeing that this is clicking. And he's, uh, I think he's hearing the noise and he wants to keep it this way. Um, Judge, Aaron Judge, had a very nice series. Game one, he goes two for three. The couple of home runs, the walk, three RBIs in there. Um, again, the assist from center field. He was 0 for 4 in the second game, but he was hitting it hard. Um, game three this afternoon, he was 1 for 3 with a double and a walk. He's got five doubles on the season. He usually does this where he starts the season fairly quiet. Not slow, but just the numbers are, you know, solid, nothing greater. But he'll always eventually find his way into a hot streak and he'll, and he'll just be super consistent and it'll work his way back to being that 280, 35 home run guy. So Judge has been good. Um, had a good series. Rizzo continues to just be awesome. Uh, it's funny because my brother and I, we were nitpicking. Well, no, he thought I was nitpicking because he was looking at the 235 batting average for Rizzo entering the game. And I was telling him, well, you can't just look at the average. You know, he's done so many other things for this team. And he's telling me I'm nitpicking because he knows Rizzo is my favorite player in baseball. And then as soon as he's telling me all this, I'm just I'm, I'm just like, look, stop looking at the average. It's April. You can't look at it yet. And then he goes two for two. Now the average sits at 250. He's got the OPS at 953. And he is doing everything. Right? He has five home runs to lead the team. Um, 12, home, 12 RBIs to lead the team. He's got eight walks, which might lead the team. Um, and only 10 strikeouts. He also has two stolen bases. And he's playing good defense. He's doing a lot of really productive um, things for the Yankees. He's super solid. The perfect lefty bat for the stadium. Um, just, I, I've always wanted him here. I remember texting my buddies a couple years ago saying, man, I wish we had Anthony Rizzo. I think he's literally the perfect bat for Yankee Stadium. Now we have him, and he's producing exactly how I thought he'd be. So, Rizzo's been good. Um, DJ LeMayu also looks very good. He has, he, I, I think he's back. This series, in three games, DJ is, he goes 5 for 11. Uh, three of those were singles, one a double, and one the home run. Three RBIs, uh, three RBIs, one strikeout, one walk. So he slashed 455 with a 500 on base, an 818 slugging, and a 1.318 OPS. He, yeah, he looks back. He looks phenomenal out there. He's healthy. He's currently on an 11-game hit streak. Um, only one strikeout this series. Back to hitting hard line drives the other way. Always finishing at-bats with contact. I, and I th- Like I said, I, I think the Yankees' reasoning for not batting uh, LeMayu leadoff consistently prior to the last two series was because they wanted to see if he was back yet for real. And I think that they're now buying in. And like I said, I was fine with it before. I had no problem 
with Hicks batting leadoff. You know, my thing was, you know, always Hicks can do it until he cools off. And once he did, once he does, that's got to go to DJ. And, you know, Hicks has cooled off a little bit and DJ has gotten hot. And that happened. So credit to Boone, the nerds, whoever, for making that decision. Um, and I said early on, you know, before the season, the two wild cards for the Yankees, the rotation wild card is going to be Severino, and the lineup wild card is going to be DJ LeMayu having a bounce back. So those two are going to depend a lot. This team's going to, you know, where they go, the team could very well go. Excuse me. Um, speaking of, of DJ, right? Speaking of DJ LeMayu, Dollar Tree DJ or Discount DJ or Walmart LeMayu or as others probably call him, IKF. <laughs> Got my little nicknames for him. Um, he went 4 for 11 this series. Had a double, 4 RBIs. That clutch approach he brought in game two, awesome. Just jumping on that 0-2 heater and completely turning it. The fact that he was able to do that at home and have a nice home series after being on the road for six six games was a nice thing to see. He's hitting the ball. I think he's batting over 400 for a while now. They showed a stat that I don't remember, but he's been hot with the stick for a bit and he's playing good defense and making the routine plays overall on this season I say Connor Falefa is batting 300 with a 713 OPS and that's exactly what I want just to be that perfect bottom of the order bat he's not going to hit for power okay he's not going to walk a ton all right but he's there for contact and singles he's your prototypical contact hitter and that's why I like him 8-9. My brother actually made a good point to me earlier today when we were watching the game saying how he would like to see what IKF looks like in the 9-hole because you have him at 9 and DJ at 1. It's kind of a nice little 1-2 there. Two guys who are going to slap the ball. So that'd be an interesting thing to do. You know, put Trevino or Higgy at 8, IKF 9, have DJ there as the official leadoff hitter. But um, yeah, overall, I, I don't really have anything else to add. It was just a, a good series. The Yankees had a good series. Um, big sweep. And um, they're now, like I said, 10-6 and six overall. Tied for first with Toronto, if you care about that right now. One game above Tampa Bay. Three games above Boston. And four games from Baltimore, who we take on next. Uh, Tuesday, it'll be Severino. Wednesday, it'll be Montgomery. And Thursday, it'll be Jamison Tyone. Baltimore for three games. Um, sweep. Let's make it six in a row. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's it, guys. I, I think that's it. I think that's all I have to add. Um, good series. It's a good way to uh, bounce back after a bad loss to the Tigers in Game 3 of that series. <clears throat> um, and that's it. I think that's it. I think we're going to head to our final break. When we get back, we'll wrap this one up with the NYY, NYK MMA question of the day. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomberbacher blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomberbacher blog. And there you have it. All right. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to episode 360 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Let's get to episode 360's NYY NYK MMA question of the day to wrap this one up. Alright, welcome back to BD4, episode 360, our NYY NYK MMA question of the day for episode 360. Babe Ruth leads the Yankees all-time in war. Who is second? Babe Ruth leads the Yankees all-time in war. Who is second? 
All right, so let me know the answer, whether that's on uh, any one of my social media platforms or any of the podcast platforms, wherever you can comment or DM me. Any way you can reach me, let me know the answer. If you get it correct, I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode. Um, If you get it incorrect, but you at least attempt to guess the answer, I will let you know what the answer is in the next episode. Guys, that's it. That's all I got for episode 360 of the podcast. Thanks for stopping by and checking out BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and I'm about to go watch this, uh, the remainder of this Phoenix Suns-New Orleans Pelicans game, which I think I think it's halftime. So we'll check this out. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys, and I'll see you in the next one. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.